Blog Talk Radio. Seven. Well, this is going around like nobody's business. Now it's up to 19 seconds. I don't understand that. Would you like to go ahead and take it, Mike? Sure. <laughs> okay. Because it'll cut me off here in a minute. Yeah. Welcome to Peace State Pandemonium for Thursday. What is today's day? September what? 22nd. 22nd. 2016. This is Michael Norris along with Jay West and Bobby Simmons. Uh, our third compadre has uh, got a Chamber of Commerce meeting on Tybee Island tonight, so he's not going to be able to join us, but uh, uh, we will have a special guest here in a little while, and uh, we'll get her on, on the air with us. But uh, how She's you still a gimmick on the beach. She had to join the Chamber of Commerce. I guess. <laughs> Jeez. I guess. <clears throat> But uh, what's up with you guys? Well, my team's playing on TV, and it looks like David trying to fight Goliath. And it looks like David's going down tonight, unless something changes here. Yeah, Mike and I were mentioning that a minute ago before we went on the air. He was hoping they weren't. How many did they need, Mike? I think Bobby's talking about the Falcons. Oh, oh, I'm talking about Georgia Tech. Oh, Georgia Tech. Okay. Yeah, they're playing Clemson they playing? tonight. Clemson. Yeah, they they're gonna have a tough game there. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, yeah, it was seven to nothing in a hurry. They went right down the field, and Tech can't move the ball because they're so much bigger and faster than they are. So, you know, I'm sure Paul Johnson will come up with something to make it at least entertaining, or at least I hope he does. Well, getting ready for your, uh, getting ready for your surgery, Bobby. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, two weeks from today. I hope I'm seeing much better. So we're, uh, or at least seeing equally out of the left eye as I have the right eye. Right. Uh, so I, I go next Wednesday. To, I have to go next Wednesday to sign all the paperwork and everything, and uh, they'll tell me how much it's going to cost me out of my pocket. I may not be looking forward to it after that, but <laughs> <laughs> we're telling you, you can't see it. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't see that. Um, I had a little uh, surgery on my back here last week, the stuff they do with me where they give me the injections and have to put me semi to sleep, and I've had a bad reaction from it. I'm, I still can't. My my legs are still tingling at night. Boy, I sound like an old man. You know, we did a show on that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, aches and pains, but uh, uh, not back to my abnormal as of yet. Uh, Michael, you you talked about uh, Lord Littlebrook last week, and uh, this is from the Wrestling Observer, and you may have you have may have mentioned this. Uh, he had 28 grandchildren, and um, so he was a busy boy. In addition to that, uh, he caught his wife in bed with another guy. He shot the guy, and the judge would not indict him because he said it was a crime of passion. So I yeah, don't know where why the payoff left, was. That's why he left Canada and moved to uh, moved to Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> so it that's what we when claimed. he was in. He was living in Montreal, and uh, after that, he he packed his bags and moved to Missouri and stayed in 
stayed there the rest of his life. So he was uh, he, he was quite busy. They they listed 26 guys that were either guys that he booked that said he took 30% of their booking fee or that he worked with. And um, a lot of these guys I knew, uh, like Sky Lolo and uh, uh, Little Tokyo and uh, Sonny Boy Cassidy and Cowboy Lang, and then a few names I, uh, you know, the takeoff on the Dick the Bruiser and 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 whatnot. But uh, some of several of them I, I don't even remember hearing about before. And it's possible that some of these guys may have worked under more than one name. But uh, he was. Uh, Four feet four, and uh, had had quite quite a career, as you as you had mentioned earlier. But you know, until you really see some stuff in black and white on these guys, it's uh, you just don't remember what what a significance they had on the profession. Oh yeah. Now Sky Lola would have been around long before Littlebrook ever started, so he may have booked him after a while. Maybe maybe uh, Lola had a falling out with. Uh, the the Britons or whatever, but uh, right. Uh, and little Tokyo was one of the later Ruby guys. Died. Yeah, little little uh, Tokyo was one of the guys that Little Book trained. Uh, little Little Bruiser, his name was Murray Cummings. He was from uh, he was another another Hamilton, Ontario guy. And uh, there was also a little Crusher there for a while. Yep. And that guy's name, of all things, was Bill Bowman. Really? Not our Bill Bowman, but his name was, right. Bill, was William Bowman. Yeah, there, uh, little little Bruiser did a thing with Dusty on the Atlanta TV show one weekend, and uh, I don't know if you remember or not, Bobby, uh, where they had him behind the sheet. I, I don't. And, remember, I remember. I remember he used Bobo Johnson, the little black midget. He put oh, him in a it, box. Uh, this. Uh, no, this one was not in a box. He he he. Ma- they made it look like he was a tall guy. Yeah. And they had him. They had him on a on a uh, step ladder. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, they had him so that his head stuck out through you know a hole that they cut in it. And uh, and he was standing on the step ladder, and Dusty was standing there saying he was going to be a special partner that week against probably uh, Ole and somebody. And uh, and oh, and only came, you know, came into the studio and he pulled the uh, sheet down and it was uh, the little guy standing on a uh, step ladder and of course that got a lot of laughs from the audience. I'm pretty sure it was Oli went went berserk over that. Uh, Gordon thought it was funny, but anyway, that, I'm sure there were a couple of different routines they worked with this with the small guys, but. Uh, I do remember that one because he was smoking the uh, uh, little bruiser was smoking the cigar. <laughs> yeah, he did. He used Bobo Johnson a lot, and he down in Florida he used uh, did a thing. He was feuding with uh, Gary Hart, and he he did a tag match with Gary Hart and, and one of his guys, and they wrestled Dusty and, and the Haiti Kid. And. Uh, of course, the Haiti kid got the pin on Gary Hart, and then they jumped him after the match and, and <clears throat> beat up the little guy But uh, to, to get the heat to bring him back the next week. But Yeah, so their, their stuff wasn't always comedy stuff. Littlebrook especially. Littlebrook was, a, was supposedly a tough little guy. Him and he and Sky Lolo were, were both very serious as far as how they worked. Well, I'm the thing sure. about Little Brook, 
think about Little Brook. You know, most of the most of the, the the little people. You know, I know people don't like midgets today, but we called them midgets. Most of them were bow legged. They was, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if deformity is the right word, but they just never they never grew. You know, for whatever reason, their growth was stunning. They didn't, and their legs bowed, whatever. Little Brook was perfectly. He was just four foot four four tall. Right. I mean, he he was, was you know, and it, and it made him unique. There and, were very uh, yeah, few he was of them a heck that of were. Worker. There were very few of them that were, you you know, the size was proportional. Yes. Well, there was a guy back in the fifties uh, and sixties named Pee Wee Lopez, and if you saw a, a promo picture of him, you'd never know he was a midget. He was perfectly proportioned, and everything just like right. Little Brook, and you'd never know he was a, he was a midget wrestler. Um, there was a couple of guys like that. Uh, another one was a guy by the name of uh, Marcel Samard, who um, there was two Samards. There was Marcel, and then he had a kayfabe brother named uh, uh, Frenchy Samard, who later worked as, as uh, Frenchy um, Lamont. Frenchy Lamont worked his, under that name. He also worked, he did an Indian gimmick as Raleigh Little Hawk. But you could always tell him because his body shape was so, he was like a, a small version of of Giant Baba, if you can imagine that. That's what his, his body proportion was. His, he had a real thick trunk and real skinny arms and legs. <clears throat> and so you could always tell Frenchy Lamont, no matter how you could put a mask on him and tell it was him. Because of his body shape, uh, I'll mention a couple of names here since we seem to have a little time. Uh, whether you remember these guys or not, one was the Brown Panther. If you ever hear that name? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cowboy Bradley and Lang, of course. Pee Wee James. Pee Wee James. Sonny yeah. Boy Cassidy. Uh, there was a couple of Irish Sonny Boy Ch- Cassidys. Iris Jackie, I don't know if I, honestly, I just I can't place that. And, yeah, Iris Jackie was was he was out of that original bunch that started up there in Canada. Um, it was there was there was five or six of them that were always uh, traveled around. It was uh, Sky Lolo and uh, Fuzzy Night or Fuzzy Night. Cupid, they the old cowboy mute movies. Fuzzy yeah. Cupid. Um, uh, Tom Thumb, who later became uh, changed his name to Little Brutus. Yeah. Or no, I'm sorry, Tiny Tim, who, ch- who later ch- changed his name to Little Brutus. Um, and there was uh, the Mighty Adam. Yeah. And uh, um, the one you just mentioned, Iris Jackie. Iris Jackie was one of the ones that, that trained uh, Little Brook, as a matter of fact. And, how about uh, uh, how about Farmer Pete? There was a couple of different ones of those too, but yeah, there was there was two at least two Farmer Petes, and uh, then there was uh, let's see, there was uh, Otto Ballman, Ivan the Terrible, Poncho the Bull, <laughs> um, the Mighty Schultz, the Mighty Fritz. Uh, both of those were little little Nazi gimmicks. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine that? Little yeah, Nazi well, I mean, they, you had a little Tokyo, and then uh, yeah, sure. you had uh, uh, 
the brown bomber who a lot of people you know that are misinformed because so many websites say that they'll put the little uh, uh, brown bombers or, or little brown panthers picture up and say it's Bobo Johnson. What it was, they were two different guys. And there was a uh, a another uh, black midget by the name of Holly Selassie, who was a takeoff on the the king of Ethiopia. You you know was a takeoff sure. on his name. Um, uh, there was a, there was a, so many of them, and then you know there was more men than there were women. So uh, for years it was just uh, um, baby Cheryl and darling Dagmar, and then. Uh, there was Gypsy Rose and um, Dolly Darcell, and then Diamond Lil came along later on, and then later on, even further along, there was uh, Bobby's girlfriend Marie Laveau, and uh, um, oh, what was the Indian girl's name? Princess Bobby, the Little Dove. That, Princess Little Dove, the one that, that uh, Bill Howard tried to choke. Choke, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't try. He did. Huh. <coughs> Oh God, that's so funny. <laughs> that's one of my great memories. Was seeing Gene Anderson. I turned around and looked, and Gene was up against the wall, just shaking his head. And I told Bill, I said, "We're fired. We might as well have fun." <laughs> God. Oh. Who was Little Dove's partner? Jerry Stubbs was. Jerry Stubbs. Working in Jerry Stubbs' hometown, the very first time he'd ever worked in his hometown, you couldn't have drove a greased nail up his rear end. He was so, so uptight. And Gene gave us that speech in the dressing room, said, please, y'all got to keep him under control, you know, keep the match serious, no funny stuff, and, uh, you know, just, you know, we'll have a good night. Okay, no problem. I went to push Stubbs out of the ring on a false tag and turned around and Bill was choking that midget. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> God. Bill's wife had told me and him we were standing outside the dressing room, and Bill's wife, Bill lived in Jonesburg too. Bill told, Bill, Bill's wife told us, said, "Look, I run a beauty shop, Miss Stone." Said, "Do not do anything to embarrass me." And I looked over at her, and she went under the bleachers. <laughs> oh, it was, it was, it was funny. It was funny, <laughs> and it, it kind of, and it went, and it got worse from there. We. The match was over. The baby faces won. I raised their hands. They left. I went to get out of the ring, and Bill grabbed me and said, where are you going? And I said, well, it's over. I'm he said, no, you ain't. Well, he kept moving me around, but Marie Laveau got behind me on her hands and knees, and Bill pushed me over, and I took a bump. So I come up hot at him, and I pushed him. So he's pointing at his chin going, hit me. And I turned around, and I was going to call Stubbs to make a comeback. He said, don't you call Stubbs. He says, you hit me. And I kept backing up until I backed into the ropes, and I did one of them Robert Fuller off the ropes, big forearms. And Bill took this great big bump, knocked the midget down, and I run to the dressing room, and Gene was sitting there <laughs> when I got there. He was shaking his head. He was just looking at me. Bill got in there, and he took us in the shower, and I figured, well, this is it. And he looked at me, and he said, I'm not mad at y'all. It's my fault. I should have known better. <laughs> <laughs> That was that. That was classic. Oh, it's funny. It's funny. Uh, a, a guy here in Atlanta, uh, uh, kid used to come to the matches, and I and I never knew his name. I just he was a little redheaded kid that took pictures all the time, and uh, and Bill his name's Bill Christmas. He lives here in Atlanta, and Bill posts pictures or sends me pictures every once in a while. Yeah. And he, he had a copy 
I believe it was Bill did this. It might have been somebody else, but I believe it was Bill sent me a copy of the poster, a window card from that match that night. Wow. And I've got it. I've got it on my on my computer somewhere. It's uh, but yeah, it's uh, uh, one of the one of the funniest nights I ever had. I'm just. So was was that the last match, Bobby? No, 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 no. The main event was was Thunderbolt and somebody, but it was you know it was second or third match. It was you know just a little thing there, but yeah, we were at Jonesboro High School. It was it was really fun. It was funny. Well, something else I've got here that we don't, you know, want anything bad to happen to anybody, uh, but very seldom do I talk about the WWE, and you guys may have seen something something on this, uh, but uh, Vince McMahon suffered a torn quad this past week. Uh, it wasn't... Uh, from a being a blowhard, it was doing squats with significant weight at the age of 71. He had surgery to one of his legs. He missed the pay-per-view and television. And, of course, details are sketchy because Vince didn't want anybody to know about it. But, obviously, you can't keep things quiet. But, uh, you know, we certainly hope he has a somewhat speedy recovery. But at 71 years of age, you know, he doesn't need to be doing that stuff. No matter what well, he's you know, he figures is you know he takes every steroid out there, right? So you know he figures he's gonna you know they're not gonna hurt him. Of course, you know there's plenty <laughs> of proof that it, that's you know they've crippled other people and ruined other people, but you know they're not gonna hurt him. So well, he figures at seventy-one, how much longer has he got to go anyway? So you know, yeah. might as well look good on the way out. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I just yeah, I, I I would I would hate to sit here and. Say something humorous like that, and you know, have something happen to the guy because I you don't know, mean I, it that I know, way. I know we all have a certain amount of vanity. I mean, that's just the way the good Lord made us. We have a certain way. We look in the mirror, most of us, before we go out the front door, to make sure we look a certain way. I mean, you know, we don't want to, you know. I mean, it's just the way we are. Sure. But to be seventy-one years old and to be still, you know. Trying to be cut and lift weights and, you know, do, I mean, I just, I don't know. Well, yeah, I was going to say there's a difference in just, you know, doing a workout and working out. I mean, Jerry is a perfect example. Jerry still yes, works exactly. out, you know, three times a week. Uh, you know, Dickie Steinborn, I'm sure, still works out quite a bit. But there's a difference in doing that and still trying to, you know, do squats with 600 pounds. You know, right. Which is, 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 Foolish when you're 35 years old, much less 75 years old. Right, would be for me when I was that age. <laughs> I could, I would never got up off of the bench. No, it's just ridiculous. Well, guys, I'm going to try and get uh, Miss Dawn Lemke on with us here, and uh, I think you guys are you guys are going to enjoy her. She's a she's a character. So hang on with me just a second. Let me. Try and conference her in real quick. Hopefully, I can get this to work. He scares me when he messes with his technical equipment. <laughs> How's it going there, Mike? <laughs> I didn't know what he was. Uh... Messing with there for a minute when he started yeah, to play he's, technical. 
I heard something click. We might have lost him. <laughs> no, he's uh, still showing up here on the board. Oh, there he is. Okay, he's trying to third-party call her, I guess. Well, I hate Jerry's not here because when he'd heard about the squats at 71, he, he would have probably chimed right in. Yeah, he would probably have uh, had some advice for oh. vets for sure. Like, don't do that again. I heard that. <laughs> well, yeah, I was in no way trying to be cute with that, but I, I just the, the vanity thing I think is his. Sure. The, you know, that's just. Uh, oh well. Got you two guys back. Yeah, we're here. Okay. Well, our, we are being joined by our special guest for this evening, uh, former professional lady wrestler and uh, the Wrestling Writers Association International's. Lady Wrestler of the Year for 1973, Miss Dawn Lemke. Welcome to Peach State Pandemonium. Hello. <laughs> well, don't get shy on us now. No, no my voice cracked. Oh. <laughs> Hello, how's everybody doing? Doing good. I got uh, Jay West and Bobby Simmons with it, and unfortunately, Jerry Oates. Uh, Jerry works for the uh, sheriff's department in Tybee Island, Georgia, and he uh, he had to um, go to a chamber of commerce meeting this evening, so he's not going to be with us. So uh, I'm sure you guys will keep me busy with questions. Oh yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Uh, first one, Don, you're not from the south, are you? I am not, and I guess you can tell that from the way I talk, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of a giveaway there. It was just a little joke. I hope you don't mind that. No, I'm from from Wisconsin, and I'm still living in Wisconsin. So um, we we talk like this up here. Well, the good thing is that Dawn always had uh, problems with people misspelling her last name uh, throughout most of her career. But it, all of us from Atlanta, the name Lemke is not a stranger to us. We had a longtime second baseman on the, the Braves named Mark Lemke, but he wasn't, wasn't oh. from he wasn't from Milwaukee. He was from Utica, New York, which is uh, the only other person I know from being from Utica, New York, was uh, Lynn Rossi. <laughs> well, they they as far as my name, that's where I didn't get credit for a lot of the matches that I did wrestle because I my name is Dawn Lemke, but when depending on the territory that I went to and how they heard me over the phone. Or Kay Noble, who used to she used to book us, so they, she also had a southern accent, so that might be part of the blame from the way they heard it. But it, it was Dawn Lemke. They called me Donna Lemke, Donna Lemenke up in Michigan, uh, Donna Dawn in Florida, Donna Don, and then Liz Stevens in uh, down in Texas. Plus, they've misspelled Lemke. With Lemsky, Lempy, Lemke, <laughs> wow. you know, so many times. So it's hard, hard sometimes to, you know, like I say, to get credit for a lot of the matches that I did do because I had so many different names. Sounds like you could have got me. booked on the booked on the same card against yourself with all those different names. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that because um, a lot of times when the women weren't used as much in a territory like they are now, where they can stay. We were we were on the road quite a bit, and uh, there's a couple times I would dye my hair, <laughs> and they would call me some. That's where Liz Stevens I think came in 
because I dye my hair and um, they, everybody knew Kay Noble, and I was at the time was relatively new. So I dyed my hair, and they called me something else, and nobody knew. Wow. It's not great past them. <laughs> you have a lot in common with uh, our friends Terry Lathan and uh, uh, Randy Colley. I've seen their names spelled so many different ways. Terry, it would drive Terry up a wall because they would put an M at the end of his name. Even in his hometown newspaper, Mobile, they put Latham instead of Lathan, and it would drive oh, him and, crazy. <laughs> and then try to cash those checks. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you had the hardest time in in – and if when we were in a territory, and then I'd come in with another check, you know, you're you're like, no, it's really it's me. Well, do you have any proof? No, I don't. So a lot of times the promoters would, for the women, would cash our checks anyway. So they just they'd give us a check, and then they'd go ahead and we'd sign it back to them and cash it because we had such a hard time cashing our checks, and we all well, needed to get paid. <laughs> Well, I'll start with the obvious question. How in the world okay. did you get involved with professional wrestling? Oh, man. Well, when I was a little kid, I must have been eight, maybe nine or ten at the most, but I think it was pretty pretty young, eight. And uh, I'd get up really early on Sunday mornings, and they had the wrestling on, and it was it was probably like, you know, like 5 o'clock, 4.30 early in the morning. That's and early. I'd get up, and, and I'd... Yeah, I mean, it was early, but then that was the time they ran it. So I'd get up, and uh, it was an accident when I first found it, and once I knew it was there, then I, I kind of got hooked. So I'd get up every morning, and my dad would be getting up for work, and and uh, he'd be making coffee, and he'd ask me, what are you doing? And I'd say, well, I'm watching wrestling. And so I'd, I'd watch it, and then when it was all over, I'd go back to bed. But I, I got hooked. And then as I got a little bit older... My uh, as as a teenager, the girls I hung around with had uh, driver's licenses. They were older than I was, and then we started going to the wrestling matches. And you know, oh my, you know, it's like a little kid in a candy store. Oh, I gotta see this! I gotta see this! <laughs> so then one time we we went to this match, and like a there was a fluke there, and it said if you were interested in wrestling, call this number. So my girlfriend and I go, oh come on, let's you know, let's let's call it. And I was 17 at that time, and so we called the number, and we went on the south side of Milwaukee. It was a little bitty gym. It was run by a wrestler named Caesar Pabon, and he worked out of AWA territory. Once in a while, he was in there, and um, that's actually how I got started. But I, I was remember, always a fan. Who who do you, who were you, some of your favorites that you remember seeing as a fan? Obviously, in Milwaukee, uh, Reggie Lasowski had to have been one of them. Yep, the Crusher and um, Vern Gagne. I remember him. Some of them when I was real little, I, I don't even really, really remember who they were. I just watched them, you know, because I I liked them so much and uh, liked watching it so much. But then as a teenager, there was oh Paul Diamond was there. Um, Mad Dog Vachon, uh, well, you could say the Crusher. He was, he always had me hooked. But um, oh boy, they, I mean, there were just so many of them. They'd come in and out. Bo Belinsky, Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan was always. Bobby Heenan was a really, really nice guy to the to the fans. You know, he might not have been in the ring, but a lot of times when we couldn't get tickets, 
and we'd always just stand outside and try to, you know, at least get an autograph or a picture or whatever we could get. And um, he'd always get us in the building. He'd, he'd talk to the, the guard there, and he'd say, well, there aren't any seats left. And he goes, ah, just let them. They'll stand around. They'll they'll just walk around. They won't look for a chair. But he he was always very good to us, as was Bull Belinsky. He was very nice. And then when I broke in the business, um, Bull Belinsky, you know, he was, he was every, a lot of them were like moms and dads to me. It sounds kind of kind of weird, but I was so much younger than they were. And they all kind of looked out for me. But they were they were probably the ones that stick out the most to me. And as far yeah. as women wrestlers, I don't remember any of them then. I was gonna say, did you did you see any any female wrestlers before you got into the business? No, it was I, always, I don't remember. Always yeah, because Vern didn't use a whole lot of 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 the girls. I think at one time Penny Banner was somewhat of a regular up there. Yeah, um, Kay Noble wrestled for him quite a bit up there, and um, that's how I ended up going. I went on the road with her as I I met her through the AWA. Because when I was seventeen, I was. Um, well, after getting trained by Caesar Pavin, I started wrestling at 17, doing like fairs and uh, church events, things like that, under the hush hush, because you know I was underage, and that was all around Wisconsin. And uh, then when I was 18, I, that's when I started professionally. And there was a, there used to be this this young guy. He was a young kid, maybe maybe 20, 19 or 20, but he actually, his name was Dick Carlson, and he actually got um, word to Vern Gagne that that there was, you know, girls training in Milwaukee, and Vern asked for us to fly out there, and we did, and, and he booked me right away. I started working for him, and I went to Winnipeg, Canada, and um, that's where I met Kay, and then Kay told me, Vern told told her that we were going to get booked together, but uh, we went on the road quite a bit, and that match was with uh, Barbara Galento and Vivian Vachon against Kay and I, and that was also the the very first four-girl tag team in Winnipeg at that time. Wow. Now, was Kay still married to uh, Doug Lindsay at the time? No, not at that time. She she uh, had just gotten divorced from, I think it was her second husband, and um, so she had she had twins at the house. And when I'd stay by her between gigs, and then um, I'd watch her twins, and then she used to bartend once in a while, and uh, sometimes we'd even take the twins with us when we when we went on the road, and uh, her her Doug had the the older three. But she had the twins there. But yeah, she wasn't married. wasn't married when I knew her. What nice was it girl. like for you as a young woman to to go on the road at that time when you were so young? <laughs> young and naive. Oh boy. I mean, that was one thing I got to say about Kay is is she kind of took me under her wing and she 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 smartened me up to the the life on the road, who who to talk to, who not to talk to. Um, she helped me a lot. She helped. She helped train me a little bit, and 
just helped me out a whole lot. And then when when I was staying with her in in St. Joe, Missouri, uh, we used to go over by Lord Littlebrook's house, and he had a garage that had a ring set up in it. And we would train there, but there was a, a nut. She used to have girls stay at her house who she was helping train or break into the business. And um, early dawn was, was one of the girls who was came to the house and was staying there. And early dawn and myself and Kay and Lord Littlebrook and there were a couple other ones there, but I can't remember who they were at the time. But um, we'd all train and and wrestle in the in the garage. And and Kay did train um, early dawn, so she got most of her training right there in that garage. <laughs> I know she early was in down in Florida for a while too. So I think that's one of the only territories I've ever seen results for for early dawn, unless she oh, used another name somewhere. Yeah, early dawn, and then. Well, and that's like down there, when I wrestled in, in Florida, I was Donna Dawn and Donna Don. And then um, we would, you know, work the territory, and Bonnie Watson was down there, and Kathy O'Day, and we would work some um, tag teams, and then we'd work some single matches. But you, know, you just couldn't stay in certain territories. The only territory we were able to stay in for any length of time was um, working with Bill Watts and um, Leroy McGurk. No, he's he's the really tall guy. Oh, Grizzly Smith. <laughs> Grizzly Smith, yeah, yeah. Grizzly Smith. Yeah, Grizzly and was, um, was their matchmaker there for a while with Leroy. Yes. So that and when we went to that territory, we worked quite a bit, and um, we you know we, we, there were a couple states involved there, but. We we could stay down there quite a while, and then and Grizzly was he was so nice, and uh, he would have the people that were from out of town. Some of us he'd have us to the house, and he'd uh, cook us or his wife would cook us meals and and dinners. And um, Sam was one of the little munchkins running around when he was a little kid, and. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think of myself as, you know, much older than or much younger than some of them. But, it, you know, I really was, and they're all gone. Right. Yeah. What year was, did you start? Very, I started in 71, and I worked till 75. And I the reason I quit was not was not really my choice is at that time I was with Dusty Rhodes and uh he didn't he didn't want me to wrestle anymore. So I had my last match was the Calgary Stampede and um after that I, I did not wrestle anymore. But you never get it out of your blood. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's it's just always in there. Oh, well, you were you were one of the rare ones, and uh, well, not really rare. There was there was probably a dozen or so that uh, were more or less independent of Moolah, um, as far as lady wrestlers go. Uh, some that you you mentioned, Vivian Vachon, Kay Noble, obviously, um, uh, Marie Laverne, Betty Kay Noble, yeah, uh, yeah, Betty Nicolai and, and Mary or uh, Jean Antone. 
the Sheik had uh, had a couple girls in and out of Detroit, Linda Klein, Mary Jane Mull. Um, yep, we wrestled for quite a bit. There was uh, Mary Jane Mull. There was another one there in. in uh, Princess I, I Jasmine was up there. Yeah, Princess Jasmine was was girl yeah. that uh, Dick the Bruiser trained. Um, yep, and Art Thomas, and and she had told me that um, she she saw a match between. Mary Jane Mull and myself, and that's when she decided she wanted to wrestle. So I always thought that was quite the compliment. Sure. You know, somebody watched me and thought, oh, boy, this is what I want to do. And then, um, yeah, she was up there, and then uh, Paula Steele used to come up there quite a bit, too, wrestled with her up there. Cora Combs, actually, too, was up there. Kay Casey was another one of that Detroit bunch that came out of Klein's gym. Um, okay. Yes, I don't know her. And she was she was probably she probably started about the time you quit. She and uh, she and Heather Feather, uh, which was a, a big uh, 350 pound girl that that trained out of Klein's gym. Her name was Peggy Jones, but she wrestled under the name of Heather Feather. Okay. And, uh, her big her big gimmick was she would wrestle men every once in a while, especially in Tennessee. They they had a big program with her trying to. She wrestled a bear one night and actually beat the bear. Oh, <laughs> the condition mm-hmm. was if she beat the bear, she'd get to wrestle a man. I had but, forgotten uh, all about her, Mike. Uh, now that you mentioned yeah. her name, though, and uh, the, Peggy the, was uh, a sweet girl. Norm Kaiser magazines had a lot of pictures of hers. Pretty interesting, but I when as far as wrestling the men, I mean we interacted sometimes with them with those, with those mixed tag teams, and, um, and that was also a part with Grizzly Smith and and Bill Watts. They they ran a lot of those down there, and those were kind of fun because you could mix it up and have a good time actually in the ring. Yeah, I've got a friend of mine who. Um who owns a lot of, if you spend any time in, in Oklahoma, Louisiana, you you remember the mm-hmm. name Little Al Vavasour. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. photographer there. Um, a friend yep. of mine actually has his whole collection of negatives and uh, a ton of photos of, of you with, with various people, Don Duffy and Salento Rodriguez and mm-hmm. I think Johnny Eagles and... Uh, yeah, Johnny Eagles. Johnny, what a what yep. a funny guy he was. He was such well, a river. That that whole territory had had some nice people in it, and I mean we had a lot of fun down there. We really did. And even uh, there there was a match one time between it was Sandy Parker and myself against Lily Thomas and Kay Noble, and the referee wore a toupee, <laughs> and he told he told the wrestlers, you know, nobody's gonna mess. You know, nobody messed with my hair. Well, in, this was Shreveport, Louisiana, and and they have like a stage, and they set the ring up on the floor near the stage, and all the wrestlers can like when the, your match was not uh, when you weren't working your match, you could come out and peek out and watch off the stage, and that's the same stage where Lil Al took all the pictures in front of the curtain. But we're in the ring, and. Um, Sandy Parker and Kay Noble, they decide they're going to get this guy's to pay off. <laughs> so they, you know, they're, we're wrestling, we're wrestling, and I'm standing on the outside of the ring, and 
and all of a sudden there it goes down. They get him on the floor, and Kay's not letting go of that thing, and she she gets it, she takes it, she throws it on the floor. She's kicking it. Sandy's got it. Now Sandy's kicking it. They kick it some more, and they throw it, and this poor man is laying on his stomach with his hands over his head. His head was beat red, and the mm. the place was roaring. I was laughing so hard I couldn't I couldn't move I couldn't move my face off my arm and the three of them have the straightest face in the match I don't know how they could keep a straight face but it was all the guys were coming out on onto that stage and they're laughing I mean it was just hysterical but I mean it was fun stuff like that for us too that kind of made it made it a good time but that tour to territory that's where a lot of the shenanigans happened. Yeah, that was one that because oh, Jerry, our, our co-host Jerry, that's not with us tonight. He he uh, spent some time working for Watts out there, and it, the road trips uh, had to have been killer. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, well, the, the road trips, you know, those are books in themselves, really, because every every wrestler has their own version of what happened when they were in the car with so and so and so and so, because. There's just so many stories, and you, you, like the guys would get together and they have some drinks and they're all shooting back and forth. Well, we did this one and this happened with us, but yeah, there's just a lot of good times in the in the road trips because you're in the car so much. You travel, like in Florida, you go you go from Tampa to Miami and Miami and back because the next day you'd have to be up in Jacksonville. So, you're, I mean, you're in the car for hours and hours and hours. You better make it a good time or <laughs> it's going to be a long day. Well, other than Florida, you really didn't work, uh, well, and obviously Louisiana with, with the McGurk territory, but you didn't work uh, much in the south as far as like Georgia or Tennessee or the Gulf Coast territory, the Mobile territory. No, not not up in there. It was mostly um, like Florida, Alabama, um, Mississippi, Texas, all straight across on the bottom through there. Um, <laughs> I would I would imagine that was because Moolah was pretty uh, heavy as influence in those areas, getting her girls booked into there. Correct. Yeah. Uh, well, Mobile correct. had a couple of of locals um, that. You know, when when Mula or they didn't want to, you know, book six of Mula's girls just to get two, you know, which she was bad about, um, especially if if they wanted to use her uh, for any kind of title defense or anything. She always insisted on not only booking herself, but booking a, a five-girl battle royal and then her wrestling the winner, which was usually either Tony Rose or Vicki Williams. Um you know the guys, but if they didn't want to do that, or if they wanted to, to do an angle where they could, you know, have the girls in for longer than a week, uh, there was a couple of locals there, and Casey, um, who actually started in Mobile, uh, working for Lee Fields in the office before she was ever in the wrestling business. She was originally from Saraland, which is just a little north of, of Mobile, but she actually worked in the in the uh, the off the wrestling office for Lee Fields before she ever got in the business, and then uh, so she was always you know she lived over Mississippi so they could bring her in, and then Chief Little Eagle's uh, wife uh, Venus Larue was from Pensacola and she lived there in Pensacola. She didn't 
I don't think Trevenius ever ever wrestled anywhere other than for the Gulf Coast territory. Um, they could always, you know, plug her in to a spot, or if they really got desperate, uh, and Laverne was still around, um, Marie Laverne's mom, who was married to uh, Pancho Villa, and uh, they lived there in, in Mobile as well. In fact, Anne Laverne trained Terry Lathan. Um, so she was still around, but, uh, you know, she she could work, you know. Um, only woman with a cauliflower ear I ever saw. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. That's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Probably what they said at the time. Yeah. She always, she always but, made sure that she showed it, too, because if you ever see a picture of Ann Laverne, she's always got her head turned where you can see that cauliflower ear. Wow. I never heard that story. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, of course, uh, Venus LaRue, I did wrestle her. I'm not sure where, but I know I remember the name. But, well, maybe um, in Louisiana. She may have gone down into Louisiana and, and done some shots down there because – like I said, she uh, she was from Pensacola. She was a local girl there, and then was married to Chief Little Eagle, who um, <laughs> he booked uh, not only booked Mobile, but he booked uh, booked Atlanta for for a while. And uh, he ended up after they divorced. He was I, I want to say he was from Texas originally. He went back out to uh, Dallas and. Uh, had a, a a working ranch out there, and he hired an indigent guy to uh, come do some work on on the ranch. The guy shot and killed him. Oh, wow! What a way to go! <laughs> yeah. Wow. Don, did anybody ever approach you about uh, writing a book about your uh, exploits in the ring and afterwards? No, you know, books books weren't really something that we, you know, wasn't talked about so much back then. I know there, that, um, now, I started going to the Cauliflower Alley um, as of last year, 2015, and I was approached there, um, Pat LaPrade, and, can't, of course, can't think of his name when I need it, but um, they, they they did take a, an interview from me and were going to put me in one of their books, but... Uh, you know, I wish I would have kept notes because it would have been a lot more more clear to remember some of those things. I have, I mean, I have my own, you know, memories and stories of, of uh, sure. being on the road. But, um, you know, I read, like, Ric Flair had a really good book, and his book t- tells it like it is. You know what I mean? It's it, He didn't beat around the bush. He, he didn't hide anything. And it sure opened it up if if you were curious. Because I, I dropped away when I got married um, and had my kids. I, I really just didn't really have much at all to do with the business. And so I kind of was like in a in a little time warp there. And so then I started getting to where I started watching the wrestling on TV again a little bit, and and uh, the bug came back. <laughs> so then, I, then it's like, wow, I really don't. Yeah, it sure does. But then I was like, wow, I really don't know a lot of things that 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 happened, and um, I had a lot of questions and really nobody to ask anymore. And I, I did get his book and offline because um, he had my, he mentioned me in his book. So as I read the book, I'm like, wow, this is 
this explains it now. I get it, you know, I understand it. <laughs> so he really he he really told it like it was. I gotta give him credit for that. A lot of guys or and women when they write a book, you know, it's like a half truth there because they're they're right. really protecting themselves or protecting somebody else. He just blurted it all out. He said it like it was. And, I mean, that's a man's man who can tell it like it is. And he did. Well, if you so I appreciate it. Read, reading uh, it. read Mula's book, uh, pass on it, because it's uh, <laughs> hers, is, hers is pure kayfabe from one, one end to the other. Between, well, that's uh, what I mean, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's the same thing with, with you know, I even hate to mention that, but, but I'm sure everybody knows, like, with, with her belt, you know what I mean? It's like. She was never really going to give it up or get get rid of it for very long. It all just stayed with within her territory, and there there really weren't a lot of women um, belts in the first place out there. You know, I mean, it's it's like now with all these little uh, groups of wrestler wrestling uh, groups that show up. You know, they they've got a belt or five belts for for their. <laughs> We've talked about that I mean, many times. Yeah, everybody's got a belt for a belt they, for everything. They, you know, and, um, that's the title for the book. Everybody's got a belt. <laughs> yes, that's, that's true. It's true. And uh, back then, I mean, you you kind of believed when somebody had a belt, you kind of believed it. But now, you know, they they wake up one day and they decide, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a belt for this. And now they've got right. you know maybe. Ten wrestlers in their group, and five of them are, are <laughs> have belts. It's true, you know. I mean, it's true. It's true. And you got to make sure yeah. you got your own authentic wrestling music to come out too, also. <laughs> well, well, that I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just wrestling now is so different than, yes. than back in my day. And when I when I watch a match, you know, I can't help myself and criticize some, you know, that's just the normal part of it. You watch it and you, uh, you go, Oh wow. You know, look, he missed that or he should have did this or he should have did that. But I find there's so much, and I was a flyer in my match. I mean, I, Billy Robinson showed me things to, to run up the ropes and jump around and jump off the top rope. And Katie was always teaching me things like that. So it wasn't that I wasn't a flyer, but they fly so much in a lot of matches, and, and they fake pin so much that you don't know, the big picture isn't there. Yeah. So, you know, I watched the match, and, yeah, it was very interesting, but it, it, it's just not like what it was for us. And for, like, when I w- was wrestling with Kay, we we even uh, learned college-style or folk-style wrestling, so when mm-hmm. we went to college towns, we could actually do that. And, oh, the fans would go crazy for that. But we 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 really wrestled, you know. I mean, there was a lot more right. wrestling to the to the match itself, the content of it. But I'm not knocking these the new ones. I'm just right. saying it's just way different than when I when I was wrestling. But it's interesting, and there's a lot more groups. Because back in back in the day, there were just you know so many territories, and now there's right. all kinds of all kinds of them out there. Or new ones popping up all the time. Did you attend one of the? Uh, did you attend one of the conventions that the Wrestling Fans International put on? 
the, the only ones I've gone to were um, I, I went to Waterloo this year, and I went uh, I go to the CAC, and those are the only two that I've been to. I just retired, um, so now I'm having a chance to go more into towns, you know, and and see different things. And uh, there's like because there, I, I live in Wisconsin, there's a, a local one. It's the Bruce City Wrestling, and that's run by Frankie De, Frankie DeFalco, and um, he's he's got a a group, but he's got a girl there, Stacy Shadows, who she's she likes the old school. She tries to wrestle and do like the old school. So I try to show up and and uh, give some feedback, be there, be present for the young younger new generation that really wants to learn. And it's surprising how how much they want to know. And I also go to the the Steel Domain Wrestling in Minnesota that uh, Ed Hellier runs, and um, they have Mark Povel and uh, Mick Karch, Voice of Minnesota, and uh, Mark, Mark is the Golden Idol there, and I've been going to some of theirs, and, um, you know, just trying to be around the, the next generation, and because, you know, they go, oh, I'd really like to talk to you, I'd really like to pick your brain, and I'm like the tail end of my generation, because I was... 18, and most of them were like 8, 10, or more years older than me. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, like like the tail end of it, so it's like, wow, if they, they really want to know it, I'm happy to share it. But it's, you know, I try to stay present for the, for this new generation. But that's like, I say, Waterloo and the CAC, those are the only ones I've, I've uh, been to so far. And now that, and I haven't been on Facebook for for very long either. So I went back on, and now it's like um, I'm getting invited to different things, and sure. people are wanting to, um, you know, come, come for fan fest. And I go, I don't know, if, you know, people even know who I am anymore. You know, <laughs> oh my God, yeah, we know who you are. You know, <laughs> so it's 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 kind of a new game for me right now. Well, you got uh, you got a lot of uh, publicity in, in your brief, you know, four or five year run. You you were, uh, you know, like I said, you were the uh, Wrestling Fan International's uh, Lady Wrestler of the Year, which was uh, oh, what, what was that? The Kitzer magazines, Jay? Yes. Norman Kitzer that did the Wrestling yes, Review yes. before they sold it off to the Canadian group and. Yeah, I, I wrote several. I wrote several articles for that for them, Jim L. B. and Norm Kaiser. Yes. Yep, those but, names uh, are familiar to me. Uh, did uh, did did it bother you when uh, Vince McMahon uh, gave up the kayfabe end of the business and let all everything hang out? Well, you know, he he kind of wrecked it, I think, for for a lot of the business because. Um, it was always nice with the cafe because it had advantages. Um, it has advantages now because you can be with somebody and not pretend you weren't, you know, you didn't ride to the matches with them or you're driving home with them and you didn't have to always put up that front. But, um, yeah, I I think it just took away from a lot. It, it just took away a lot. But then you still have the hardcore fans that, they, even though they know it's not real, they still think it, parts parts of it are real. You know, they'll 
they watch it and they go, well, yeah, that might have been fake, but but that's not, <laughs> you know, little little stuff like that. But right. yeah, I I don't know. I I don't even know if I should say that, but I, I have a hard time even watching that <laughs> Vince and stuff because it's 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 just it's just so different. You're not the it's, first one that we've had on the like, show that said that. <laughs> no, yeah, I I can imagine. I just you know just don't 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 agree with some of it. I think it was better the way it was. You know, let the fans make their choice. And you know, it, I don't know. I I don't know. I I you could probably talk to twenty different people and they they'd all tell you something different. But as far as for me, yeah, I uh, took something away. Took something away. Absolutely. It was it was, was kind of nice having that, where people people thought uh, thought everything was was real. Well, you know, like when I went to the CAC this year, um, I I went with my daughter Jamie, and um, they have have wrestling on two of the nights there, and we're watching on the second night, and um, it was the last match, and I think it was Steve Anthony and and uh, Apoc. They had the match, so we're watching, and it really was a really well worked match. And um, my daughter, who knows the business, isn't you know it's not real and all of that. And she turns her head at me and she goes, now that wasn't fake, was it? And I just <laughs> smile at her, you know, and I go, well, I'll tell you what, I go, that's two professional wrestlers who know that craft well. And um, and that's really what it's all about, is just keep them guessing. And, yeah, fool her. So, I mean, you get guys like that who, who really can wrestle and work a match and make you believe, why not? Sure. That's Makes it like good advice. you like 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 the old days, but there's there's a lot of them that in the business that uh, basically they just want to check. They go in there and there's no real real drive in the match. You know, I mean there's I mean yeah there there's an effort they they're they're working it, but it's uh, you just don't when the match is over with you just don't go. Wow, that was really good. <laughs> just right. like you're watching it, and you're like, okay, what's next? And um, yeah, they're flying around and jumping around, and that part's really good. But it's the match is just missing something. Yeah, it doesn't make you want to see it again. All, yeah, it's it's hard for for people of our generation. I, I know Bobby and I were just uh, down a month or so ago in a little town called Blakely, Georgia, and what did they put on, Bobby? Ten, twelve matches that night? Uh, at least. It seemed and like it's a lot just, more. It's, it's hard for <laughs> us to sit there and watch it and not see, you know, like you were saying, you know, you should have done this. And, you know, that that didn't make sense. Why did you do that? You know, and and it's, it's crazy. Of course, Bobby, having been a referee, he watches the referees more than pays more attention to them because – uh, a good referee or a bad referee will run a match quicker than, you know, two bad workers in the ring. Oh, for sure. <laughs> well, well, I'm you assuming, have to work it as a group. Yeah, exactly. It takes it takes three or, or you know, five or seven guys, and the referees is as much a part of it as, as uh, anybody. And 
as long as you're not pulling his wig off his head, I guess. Oh, <laughs> good times, I'm telling you, good times. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll sit and think about that story, you know, once in a while it'll come up in, in my head, and I laugh as hard as I did then. I don't I don't know how I kept it together. It was, it was that funny with everybody roaring in that, that uh, arena. Did you have What's, to work uh, with that ref again? What was his name? No, did you have to work with him again the next night after uh, after pulling oh, that routine? Yeah, on? he was. Yes, yes, he was. He was. He was in the territory, and then he, you know, I remember him going up to Kay and sticking his finger in her face, telling her she better not do it to do it again. And she grabbed a hold of his finger and yanked it and told him in so many words, you know, <laughs> get your finger out of my face. <laughs> I mean, she was a tough cookie. She she had a heart of gold. You know, if she liked you, you were you were on the you know the good list. But if she didn't like you, look out because uh, she was she was a double tough, double tough girl. I gotta say, but yeah, she she told him, and then then she, I remember her telling the guys too. She goes, I had to pull it off just because he told me not to. <laughs> so I mean, it's just like don't tell me I can't because then I will. But it was Bobby, fun. Bobby, you refereed a lot of of ladies' matches. I, I know they uh, Moolah's girls always had their spot where one girl would uh, kick out of a pin and and throw the girl on top on top of the referee. Did, did you ever have any spots that you weren't particularly happy? <laughs> well, they, would, they wouldn't let us do it. I mean, you know, they they would tell us. You know, we were everything here was so was so serious as far as Georgia was concerned. Uh, and even the Carolinas, that you know, they didn't do it. They, you know, Mula didn't do that kind of crap around here because she knew it was so hard to get booked anyway for her. And then another, the only time I ever had any problem was with the battle royals. You know, the battle royals they wanted to get you down and take your pants off and you know <laughs> all that. You know, you know, you fight for your life and, and you know. But the worst, the worst, the worst thing I ever had was Cora Combs. Uh, the very first time I was in the ring with her, and uh, she was on the mat on her back, and I went down to count, and she looked up at me. I was I was 17 years old. I was a kid, and I didn't, you know, you, you don't know what to do, what to say, where to touch them, where not to touch them. And she looks up at me and goes, have you ever seen my mouse? And I went, no, ma'am. And oh, she proceeds God. to pull her breast out of her bathing suit because the girl was on top of her. Nobody could see it but me. And I, and I found out from her daughter when she passed away last year. I asked her daughter, Debbie, and it, she had drawn, it wasn't a tattoo, she had drawn a mouse on her boobie right by her nipple. And she just <laughs> pulled it right out of oh there. Here's God. a 17-year-old kid. What do you say? You know, what do you do? I mean, you know, I, I think I said something like, that's nice or something, you know. But <laughs> you, just, you know, that kind of stuff. But Well, let me ask you a question, Dawn. Did Whoa. you buy a T-shirt at the Cauliflower Alley Club last year? Yes, I did, and I bought one this year. Well then, we probably so did met. My daughter. <laughs> I sit there. Oh, I, I'm, really? I, I'm with Charlie Smith. Yeah, me and Charlie sell the t-shirts. Oh, well, I know. I'm the, I'm the heavy set guy. You know, Charlie's I, the, the motor mouth. But you know, when when we bought our shirts, he was the only one behind the table. I you was, or Charlie been, was. But Charlie was there. Charlie so, was the only one. I probably had gone to the restroom. That's one of the rare times I'm not the only one at the table. <laughs> yep, because when we went, he was there, and, and there was a, a woman back there. 
So, and that was um, Emily Miller. She there was you sitting. Go. With, she sat with there. us. Yep. Oh well. Well, then last year it probably I probably ran into you. Oh yeah, I'm but, sure. Uh, I'm sure I'm there every year. Well, I'll for sure look for you next year. Please do. Come find the T-shirts. I'll be somewhere close. <laughs> That's the thing, too, with the Cauliflower Alley is, you know, Sandy Parker was there last year right. or this year. And and then there um, there was another lady wrestler there who I never worked with, but I recognized her face on the pictures online. And I'm like, I never knew they were there. I mean, I would have... I I always bring like I had pictures with me along in case I ran into certain people, um, and I had some with me with Sandy Parker from from when we were down south and and I go I I just wish it was an easier way to know who people were because I may never run into them again you know I mean and she's she's my age or she's a year older so I mean she's she's lucky that you know she was around yet too but there really just aren't that many women wrestlers left from my time. But I, yeah, I was a little disappointed because I, I said, well, there were people here and I didn't even know they were here till I, till I got home and saw the pictures online. Yeah, I'm not but, sure. I um, think Sandy, she was from, from Vancouver originally. I think she, yeah, may, I she may still be living or back living in Vancouver. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it said on there she was. It said Canada, and uh, as well was the other lady from Canada, and I just I missed them. You know, if you're not in the right spot at the right time, they're walking around. Yeah, that's around, the thing about Cauliflower um, Alley. It's so big. Plus, it's open to the fans. So there's a, a you know, Mobila's uh, or has been in the past a little a little more intimate as far as because it was only open. <laughs> to the uh, people who were actually worked in the business. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Sandy's ever been to Mobile. I know, like, uh, Joyce Grable and Susan Green come just about every year. Um, okay. When, yeah, when she's my age, we, too. We've, yeah, Susan started, Lord, Susan was only 15 or 16. She was like you. She started real young. Um, she was, um, oh, Joe Blanchard trained her. Okay. Corpus Christi, which is where she was from, and that's how she got in. Of course, she she wound up working some with Moolah, but she was another one that was was fairly independent as far as that goes. And then Sue may even still get in the ring every once in a while. <laughs> oh, not me. <laughs> I can't take that chance. <laughs> you know, insurance is different now. Yeah. <laughs> once you retired. <laughs> but yeah, I remember her. You know, like in magazines and stuff when I was wrestling, but you know, you just always didn't end up with those women. You know, you kind of had the same one. And Kay, um, she, she a lot of times would get us booked wherever, you know, wherever we were going. She'd call me up and say, Hey, I, we're going here for X amount of times. And then um, I went, I, I went to St. Louis and um, wrestled there. And, um, Betty Nikolai, and I mean, Betty Nikolai wanted me to, you know, she said, oh, can you come back in the territory and, and work with me? So a lot of times the girls that were independent kind of wanted to work with you because then they had somebody new to work with. Yeah. But um, I remember when I, Fort Combs was up in, in Detroit, and 
I remember her telling me, you know, oh, you know, here's a number, and she gave me Moolah's phone number, and she says, you really should call her and, and get involved with that. And I remember telling Kay that I had that number, and she goes, rip that piece of paper up. She goes, you're not, you're not working for her. She said, you're going to go on the road, and, and uh, I'll keep you working. And she says, I'll, you know, I'll find us work. And, and uh, Vern Gagne, I mean, he, he, when we were up there, he always got us, people to work with but um yeah we just we had to scavenge and call and get our own own bookings you know because we were the gimmick we uh they brought us in when the sales were low or they needed a perk on the card and then they call us what was your favorite territory to work in i like the midwest because midwest paid the best (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> women, you know. I mean, we down south um, for for Grizzly, at, uh, Grizzly and uh, Bill. I mean, we they kept us busy, and so we made money. But you know, you work for Vern, and you do a big big town like when I wrestled in Milwaukee. They had an auditorium and in the arena, and the arena held quite a few people, and that that was my my biggest payoff. In fact. Back in the seventies, I mean, it was fifteen hundred dollars for one night, and about fell over because it's like, what? You know, that's like <laughs> that's like working a whole territory almost, and that was a lot of money back then, you know, sure. for to to make. So uh, it was a good good hope. That was a lot of money and, tonight. And I, <laughs> You're not kidding. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, back then, you know, I mean, it was like, oh my God, I couldn't believe it. And and then when I when I wrestled that match, we had just come back from from down south, and Kay had a broken foot. She hadn't gone to the, the doctor yet, so she's wrestling with a broken foot in her wrestling boot. And so she'd have to have, um, Dickie Murdoch would carry her out to the to the ring, and then wow. he'd get in the ring, and then we'd have to work an angle where, where we could sell her foot. So he would walk towards me, and he was so tall, and I'd run through his legs, and I'd turn around and drop kick him, and then he'd land in decay, and then she could sell the foot the whole the whole rest of the match. But that's how we worked our matches for like eight matches on the road. And then when she got back to St. Joe, she went to the doctor, and they put a cast on her. I guess so. And then she was down for a while. <laughs> but that's just, I mean, you should talk about a trooper. Yeah, absolutely. She used to, be, she used to do crazy, wild, um, big bumps and and she was very good at what she did. And, like, she, when she took a, a bump to go from inside the ring to the outside of the ring, she tried to make it as big as she could with her body, and that's how she, she landed wrong on her foot, and that's how she broke it. But, yeah, we had to work it that way. Always she got carried to the ring and sell her foot. So I'm assuming uh, you mean? work baby face all the time? Pretty much. Except when Except I when went, you dyed your um, hair. When I, <laughs> no, I, no, I dyed my hair. One of the times I dyed my hair was over when, when we were in Hawaii. And it, I was over there with Vivian Vachon. And they loved her over there. She was she was the baby face. So it's like, I don't know what to do. You know, I've never had to, to do that. So during the match, she's telling me, grab my trunks, pull my hair, you know, <laughs> yell at the ref. And we're just, we did all that. And... <laughs> Got through it, and then we were we were in heel. And actually, 
they used women as a main event even. <laughs> so we were the main event. And um, she took a bump the wrong way when she, she stumbled over her own foot. I, I mean, I didn't do it. I, I felt so bad. And she goes, no, 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 it wasn't you. It was me. But she hit her neck on the, there was like a hole in the ring under the underneath the padding. And she just hit it just right. And she hurt her neck. And um, they, they had to stop the match. And the ambulance had to come. And it took a long time. And they they were yelling at me and I had a hard time, you know, even getting out of the ring. They made me stay in the ring. I, I says, what? You know, it's like the first time I ever seen anything like a riot going to break out. And um, they were crazy for her. They just loved her. So she ended up having to go home because she hurt her uh, neck. Speaking of women in the main event, did it ever bother you that uh, women were seen more generally as an attraction match and not as legitimate as the men were in the working in main events? Well, we we did the same the same moves, the same everything that the guys did, but we were not allowed, you know, to stay into a territory. So, yeah, we were treated diff- way different. And yeah, it I mean, it, it was nice to be to wrestle in the beginning cuz you could get out of the arena earlier to get on the road, but um I don't know, they they just didn't use us. And the midgets too, they they used us like, you know, we were part time, in which we were, I guess, in the ring. That they, they, we weren't as believable as as anybody else. But yet, you know, you can watch, or I can say I've watched matches where I've seen guys uh, back then wrestle who were terrible, mm-hmm. who were terrible. And, and then we'd come out and and we'd always be, so, you know, like we'd get out of the ring and we were fast and light. And we'd move around, and you could just hear the audience go, ooh, because it's like, ooh, look at these girls. They're, they're wildcats. And right. um, we'd, we'd give them what, you know, what they paid their ticket for. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess it it, it it bothers you in a way, but what are you going to do? Sure. You're just happy to be getting a paycheck. To be working. Doing something we like. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about on this show about uh, the difference between wrestling around the country and comparing Vince Sr.'s guys back in the uh, 70s, you know, when they would work the really slow matches up in New York and with the big guys as compared to the way a lot of the southern matches were. And, uh, you know, you take a really fast match, and the girls always work fast matches. They were, to me, very interesting to watch. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, not because I'm, I was a woman wrestler, but, I mean, we just, it, it was just, we'd come out of there raring to go, where a lot of the guys would come out, you know, and they'd maybe give them a slap or grab in the hand and throw them on the floor, and then they'd walk around, and it was just a lot of lollygagging around to get through the whole match. And we were, like, right on each other at all times. And, you know, we worked it. <laughs> <laughs> we really did. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I nothing we could have did well, about it. It's just the way they worked it. Well, I'm sorry, I never got a chance to see one of your matches. <laughs> I do. I I did find movies online. I, I mean, so my kids even got to see. I'm just I'm just sitting here thinking of of the movie that uh, that Vivian did called The Wrestling Queen because about. Three quarters of that was were, was filmed in in uh, Louisiana, and I'm wondering if 
you may not be in one of those those matches because well, Kay's, Kay's in them, Vivian's in them, obviously, uh, uh, Marie Laverne's in them. I remember that uh, movie. Mickey Williams is in one. Yeah. You're I in that movie? I don't. Did you say you were in the well, movie? Myself? No, I said. No, I, Jay. I don't. No, no, oh, I Jay. said I remember Jay, the movie. I remember the movie. <laughs> oh, you remembered? I thought you said you were in that movie. No, no, I didn't have the right. Uh, I didn't have the right uh, parts for that, I guess. But uh, no, I remember that movie. That, <laughs> that's another one. You know, just like uh, the the women woman wrestler you were talking about a while ago. It's just amazing when we do this show, uh, Don. That you know things that hadn't been in your brain in years. You know how how delightful it is for those things to just to come back when you start talking in general like this. It's really great. Well, it's you think about you know you you don't have a choice or sometimes to to really think about this about it and there's very few people that um, know about the business and that was something I remember when I came home and I left the business I go I don't think I can stay here I don't think I can do this it's like the round peg trying to fit in a square hole. Nobody yeah. knows what you're talking about. You don't just exactly. you, know, you, you don't you can't go somewhere and have a conversation because people people look at it differently. And I go, well, I don't know. I think I don't think I can stay here. <laughs> I felt so out of place, you know. Yeah, we had a, a, a dear friend of ours that that uh, passed away a year or so ago um, by the name of Bill Bowman, and uh, he was in in the business for for many many years, and and uh, he uh, he had to got the situation where he had to be putting it in a basically a nursing home, and uh, mm-hmm. I would I would go see him before I, I moved back to Atlanta. I would go see him periodically, and he that was the first thing he said. He said it was so good to be around people from the business because he said those people he could talk about stuff, but they wouldn't know what in the world he was talking about. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's true, it's true. And we always made a point to I would I would pick him up and and uh, pick up Roberto Soto who also lived down that way at the time and we would go out and have lunch because Roberto was the same way he, he you know there was nobody around that he would go visit and so he just basically you know he'd go work out and go to Walmart and sit in the parking lot and, and look at people and then go back to the apartment because you know. He, he couldn't relate to anybody, and that, and I, that was that's a good thing about uh, it's a it's a shame you live so far away. Um, we we'd have you come to Atlanta to our, our little get together on the eighth. <laughs> yeah, and that's a good thing that you're you're out going. We try and do that, uh, you know, every other month or so. And of course, Mobiles has been uh, the first weekend in March for the last. 25 years now whether or not that's that's going to continue uh another situation the, the gulf coast reunion of course cauliflower alleys uh uh is every year but uh you know we have mixed emotions on this this show a lot of us love love to do that and love to see you know guys that we work with and and you know stuff like that and then, and then jerry uh jerry has a different opinion he kind of keeps to himself because he uh He's been to one reunion and, and that's pretty much it. He says he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to remember guys. He wants to remember guys like they were when he worked with them, and not like how they are now. So. That's true. Well, and like I, I didn't keep in, t- you know, on the computer. Even that, I got a late start. 
I just I figured I what do I need it for? What do I need it for? So when I got on the finally got a computer and started going uh, through it, and I started looking up wrestling things, and um, I'd start seeing like the Cauliflower Alley and different things. But the, the sad part of that is, if I'd have known about it even five years ago, so many of my my good friends would still have been there. And because you don't keep in touch with a lot of these people, you just wonder what happened to them, or you you're you know you hope they're still alive or hope they're not sick. And uh, I look at the list on there, and it's like, oh, you know, I I I could have saw him. Um, Humperdinck, one of the nicest guys, such a good friend to us. Yeah. And uh, when we were living in Florida, and uh, just a sweetheart. And I, you know, he used to go to the the Cauliflower Alley, and I'm like, and he, and plus he's from Minnesota, and right. I, which was would be close and stuff. But you just don't have the connect. You know what I mean? You you don't just call somebody up and say, hey, I just got your number off whatever, you know, you want to hang out? It's just not how it works. Yeah, but, I, I um, tell you what, I, I, I loved Hump so much. He was he used to come to Mobile all the time, and, and he was a uh, a big music nut, and he and I had a lot of, of the same uh, taste as far as music went, and we would we would talk. Sometimes on the swap emails back and forth on the computer, or messages back and forth on the computer for hours, and never mention the wrestling business. We'd be talking about music, and uh, I, he, uh, I, I really hate when we lost him. And then uh, Percy Pringle, who was uh, a local, um, even though he worked all over the world, but he was a local to us because he was from Mobile. Uh, he grew mm-hmm. up lived, lived right across the street or just down the street from my parents, and and he and I were, you know, used to go to the matches when we were kids together. And I didn't know him then, but uh, I remember seeing him around. But uh, I didn't know him until um, many years later. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, you know, there's a, a a lot that we we lose every year, and it's just it gets it gets worse. I mean, we just lost uh, a guy by the name of Don Bass uh, last okay. week. Um, Don worked. Uh, he worked a little bit of everywhere, worked in Florida, worked in mainly Tennessee and the Gulf Coast territory, though, but uh, was a big, big uh, name in Memphis for many years. But uh, but there again, he never missed Mobile. He was in Mobile every year. I think he he wasn't there last year, was he, Bobby, because he had been sick. Yeah, I think he missed last year. I don't remember seeing him the first him time he's missed in, in forever. But, uh, and, you know. It's just it's it's hard losing people that you get you know you reconnect with, but it's like Bobby has said on here several times. You gotta you know get out of the business to realize how much we all meant to each other when we were in the business. It's true, it's true because it, you take for granted that you're gonna run into them in you know in this state or this territory or see somebody again, and then all of a sudden it just stops. It's like the door shuts, and um, a lot of times you don't even have phone numbers anymore and then as time goes by and you you know i i i got married i had three kids and uh well i'm divorced now but um you know my whole life was not wrestling anymore once i got married and uh and that was hard too because my my husband hated wrestling hated anything about it you know and it's like oh 
who am I going to talk to? Who am I going to tell anything to? What, you know, what did your no, children think just, about you being a, a former wrestler? Oh, my God. You know, show and tell in, in school. Well, my, my youngest, Lisa, um, she used to say, Mom, I told them, you know, my mom was a wrestler, and she's going to come and talk to us in front of the class. And I said, honey, i got to work. You know, I can't just take off and say, hey, I'm going to talk about wrestling today. Because that was something I really didn't talk a lot about. Sure. I didn't bring it up to people because then you, you know, first you get that, yeah, right. And then, um, you, know, well, you know, it's just it's just what you get. And they never believe you even when you tell them. So I go, why am I wasting my breath talking to these people when, you know, they don't believe me in the first place. And second, um, they don't get it. You know, they, they just don't get it. But, yeah, my kids from small on really, really were were wrestling fans. And uh, as I grew up, or as they grew up, um, you know, it was always like, hey, you know, my mom my mom used to be a wrestler. Really? Yeah. And now with the Internet, you know, they just go click, 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 and, yep, there's my mom. You know, this is, this is her. <laughs> so... It's it's a lot easier. I mean, I saved things, magazines, and articles, and whatever I could get a hold of when I when I was on the road. But um, I surprise myself when I find something and I go, "Oh, I never saw this." Or somebody's got pictures up there, and I go, "I wonder wonder where they got those, or who whose are they?" Because I I would love to have them. I don't have them. So Scott Teal you know, posted sure. a picture of me fixing to lock up with a bear. That was made forty years ago, oh, and I didn't—I didn't even remember the picture was made. And and, and my kids react. My kids are forty and thirty-eight, and, and their reaction was, "Dad, most people played with dogs and cats." <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, you know, you look back, and I'm thinking, I'm seventeen years old, and I'm playing with a bear. Same people don't do this, you know. But no. you're right. You you know, people people don't. We don't. People don't think like we think. That's that's fast. That's it. They don't. <laughs> it's a. It, it's the, honestly, it truly is. It's like a, a. It's a special breed we are, and um, we we were meant to to be rest in the wrestling business or be around it or, um, just do something with it. Some people never never step into the ring or, um, anything like that. But they do things for the business, you know, around the business. They right. back mm-hmm. way back fan clubs and that kind of stuff. They just they just have that bug and they, they can't explain it. But it's nice to hang out with those people because they totally get it. Sure. Yeah, but I mean I mean and I've been challenged, believe me, when I'd go out, you know, um we'd go like us girls would go out this was after I was wrestling and um when I just started, you'd go out and and uh, people would challenge you. Hey, didn't I see you so and so place? And then they want to arm wrestle you, or they want to, you know, strong arm you. And oh, I bet I can take you. And I bet all that. And it gets to the point, you know, you, you don't like it, you don't want to do that. But it was always harder for the guys because the guys were much more well known. Because I know Dusty, we'd go to the bar or something after the matches. The guys would all meet up and we'd all go there. And there's always somebody with their leg up, wouldn't let them pass, or um, just waiting to instigate stuff. And uh, we, we'd go out to eat, and they, you know, they come over to the table and bother them. And he had a 
short fuse when it came to some of that stuff is a nice way to say it. But, um, yeah, he uh, he didn't like it, but it was, you know, we couldn't go anywhere without somebody challenging him. Always happening. Even at the red light, we stopped at a red light. And um, Eddie Graham, was Eddie Graham and Dusty and myself, and uh, we're at the stoplight, and here's a, and Dusty and, and uh, Eddie just had a match against each other. Now they're riding in the car together. And uh, they, they're yelling, beat him up, get him, you know, or whatever they're yelling out the window. And they both go flying out of the car. And now there's a big brawl in the middle of the road at a stoplight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just... Oh, you I mean, love oh yeah. Those were the days. Well, Bobby's, Bobby's yeah. got a story about Dusty that you'll probably appreciate. This similar to that. Well, I know a lot of them I own, but let's hear Which yours. one? Picking him up at the airport? Picking him up at the airport, yeah. We shot an angle here in Atlanta. He he was coming in. He was flying in from Florida to do the Atlanta house shows every Friday. And, and it was it was okay. him and, and whatever the partner of the week was against uh, Ole Anderson and Ivan Koloff. Or, you know, Stan Hansen was one of the biggest heels in the territory. And he went on TV on Saturday and pled for Stan to be his partner. And people were going, oh, he's going to turn on you. You know, as a... And we were in the process of turning Stan to a baby face. But anyway, the deal was uh, Jay West, who was was the Atlanta ring announcer, he goes out at 8.30 when the matches start and makes the announcement that Dusty has not showed up, that uh, we're, uh, you know, if you want your money back, go to the box office. We don't know where he's at. He's late. We heard from him, blah, blah, blah. So the whole deal was I picked him up at the airport about 9 o'clock, and we were to, he was to hit the side door at the auditorium at 10 o'clock, and, and Stan was going to be in a ring trying to hold the other two off, and and uh, the deal was that they that Ole and Koloff had jumped on Dusty. Well, I get Dusty back, and we parked across the street from the auditorium in this dark parking lot, and we're over there, and, and we're cutting his shirt up, and we're cutting his pants up, and and uh, he's gigging himself, and he gigged his arm. I mean, he's bleeding <laughs> like a stuck hog, and, and you know, and, and we got about two minutes before he's supposed to hit the side door. So we get out of the car, and there was a mud hole there. And he thought, he said, what do you think? He said, order roll the mud. I said, hey, it's up to you. So he plops down in this mud hole, and he's rolling around. Now, here's this man, torn clothes, <laughs> bleeding profusely, rolling in the mud, and we hear some people laughing. And we start looking oh, around. And, and what we did not realize, the headquarters for the City of Atlanta Fire Department was on the corner. We were parked behind the building. We didn't realize there was a, a a deck out there, I guess, where they came out to smoke, and there was probably seven or eight guys up there, and they're standing up there laughing at us. And I remember Dusty sitting in that mud looking at me going, oh, well, so much for kayfabe. I said, it's time. Let's go. And we hit the side door. So, but, yeah, that was. And the crowd loved it. Oh, yes, crowd went oh, crazy. Oh, sure. And nobody I'm asked sure. for their money back, so it was, you know. No, it was a good night. Yep. If Dusty had the show, it wouldn't have been a great night. We've all had had horror stories. What is the worst building you ever worked in? Do you remember a particularly bad one? Well, I don't don't remember the – I know it was in Florida. I don't remember the building because it was like a a school. And they had one cop. There's a one-cop town. And I was wrestling at the time, and so Dusty was also wrestling. And he had 
the Dream Machine, which was a, a Cadillac that he had painted, and he had stars up around the hood, so it was so noticeable that it, it was his vehicle. So I wrestled my match earlier, and um, on my and that's another thing. I had a lot of a lot of trouble with the fans down south, not up up here, but down south. And I got knifed on the leg there, going to the dressing room. You don't even know it until you're in the dressing room, because you know your leg's wide open and it's bleeding. They they would grab us in the butt and in the chest. A lot of times they would crowd around you, but like I said, there was only one cop there. And that was just so, referee. But I, I don't know. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I get dressed, I get ready, I go out, and I used to drive the car and bring it up. So when when he came out, he could just pop in the car and we could take off. Well, because he had the dream machine out there, I go out to get the car to bring it up for him to come out. And um, there's people all over the car. I mean, the car, you can't see the car when you're walking up to it. It's got people everywhere. So I'm like, you know, get off the car, get off the car. i gotta got to move the car. And um, I can't move it because nobody's on the car. So now his match is over. This has taken a long time. He comes storming out with the one cop, and um, he's he's fit to be tied. And these these fans are, you know, they're not leaving. They're not getting off the car. And I remember, you know, this kid fell off. He didn't. Nobody was driving the car at the time. He fell off, and then they they try to sue him. Oh yeah, he was driving the car. No, he wasn't. You know, I mean, you get all that stuff too. But that had to be. For me, the worst town because I got I got sliced open on my leg, and um, they were rowdy. They were rough. Well, like, I, you know, I thought for sure you'd have picked somewhere in Louisiana like Natchitoches, or where they were known to riot down there. That place, Louisiana so, was. Ooh. Well, one time we were we were in a riot, and and um, and I remember I was it was one of my first matches down there so I really hadn't been wrestling very long and now I'm getting the blow by blow don't get out of the ring stay in the ring beat me up so now I'm really having to give it to Kay and and the guys are coming out from the dressing room trying to get us out of the ring and um, I don't even know how it all started was people fighting and somebody hitting taking a camera and on on a long cord and hit somebody in the head and all of a sudden Mm. everybody's fighting and it's like, oh, my God, you know, this is what it is. You know, I I don't know if I want to be a wrestler here. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was, yeah, that wasn't a fun town either. But, yeah, we eventually we got out of there. I remember that. The guys, that's one thing about the the, the male wrestlers there. They, they really took care of us when things were rough or rowdy. They always made sure they didn't they didn't leave it to the police. They They would come out. Certain ones would always be have their head out the door. Dickie, Dickie Murdoch, Dusty, um, they were always ready ready to come in there, and they liked to fight. So, I mean, it was just just their way. But, yeah, that that town, too, I remember, was a little rough. But, yeah, nothing up nothing up north. All the stuff. So you never had, to work in a, never had to work in a building that didn't have uh, didn't have a shower or anything where you had to shower out back with a garden hose. I've, I've done that before. Uh, no, and if that was, was the it, case, I'd just go dirty and go to the hotel and shower. Was it uh, was it tough making some of the towns up north when the in the winter time when the weather was bad? Oh yeah, yeah it was. And I remember driving one time too. Um, 
Dusty and Dickie came from, they're from Texas. They never saw winters like you get in Minnesota or Wisconsin. A lot of ice and big snow. And and one thing I remember is um, Dickie, he comes with this, like, uh, what he called a winter coat, but we would call, like, a spring jacket. And um, he's freezing. He didn't have gloves. He didn't have a hat. He had this coat. So he's freezing on top of trying to, Dusty was trying to drive the car. And um, we're going so slow, and and I only remember all the cussing going on in the car, and and how bad it was to drive in it. But yeah, they they got a quick lesson up here, <laughs> learning to drive. But yeah, a lot of times they would they would have to cancel because of the snow, you know, or you, sometimes your plane didn't even get in because uh, because of the snow. Just depends what time of year it was, and if we had a big snowstorm. Well, as you'd probably guess, down here in the south, a quarter inch will close the expressways and everything else for us. But I would imagine that uh, it took a pretty good uh, snowstorm up there to shut things down, didn't it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, you're right. I remember in in Florida one year I was there, and and we had snow in Tampa. Got really cold. It wasn't a lot, but we got snow in Tampa, and and they even got some that year in in the Bahamas, believe it or not. And um, everybody's running around with big hats and gloves and everything, and I go, wow. And they put out the big uh, winter coats in the mall, and I'm like, Who's going to need those here? You know, but they they get cold. <laughs> they 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 don't can't handle it like we can up here. That's just the way it is. <laughs> but, I had to fly um, into Minneapolis one time to. Uh, uh, we were doing a the, the office here in Atlanta. We were doing a, a calendar, and we went to uh, okay. the largest calendar manufacturing company in the world is in St. Paul. So I'm flying up there to look at proofs, and I've never – I'm from Atlanta. I've lived here my whole life, worked okay. a lot of places, but just I've always lived here as much as I could. So you say snow on TV. You can't find milk in the grocery stores. People think they're going to be snowed in for months. I mean, it's just its crazy. Yep. But I flew into Minneapolis, and I flew in the day that the snow had fell so much and so heavy it had caused part of that dome in Minneapolis to cave in. I've never oh, seen so yeah. much snow in my life. It was hubcap deep on a Ferris wheel. And this poor guy that picked <laughs> me up, I'm like, I'm watching the roads and I'm watching him. And he's laughing at me. And he says, I've lived here my whole life. Never missed a day of work because of weather. I told him, I said, if we got this much snow in Atlanta, you wouldn't hear from us for six months. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, well, to them, it was nothing. Yeah, they, I mean, we have the equipment up here. If you If you guys would get snow, all the time you'd be prepared because you'd have the equipment and the salt sure. and all that. But, um, yeah, I can see the difference. Yeah, for us, it's it's nothing. I mean, we My just problem here is we don't get much snow. We get a lot of ice, and that, you know, the ice is a bad thing. But That's worse. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty bad. And I remember that when I was living in uh, Minneapolis, and I lived in Egan, Minnesota there, too. And I I do remember they got quite a bit of ice compared to Wisconsin. And um, below, the below zero wind chills, how cold it gets, even that surprised me. And, I mean, we thought we got really cold here. But I guess uh, Minnesota has us a little beat on the cold weather. So I remember that. 
But I, I, I know we touched on um, with Dusty, and I wanted to com- finish telling you guys about about my time with him. But um, and I was with him for um, six and a half years, and uh, I was with him when he was separated and then divorced from his first wife. And then I came home here in 1977, and then he remarried his second wife there in 1978. So I just say the nice way to say it is between wives. <laughs> I was the one between the wives. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I lived there in Minneapolis with him and then Egan, and we went down to Tampa, and then eventually uh, we moved out to uh, Lutz, Florida. And then when we lived in, in Minneapolis, uh, we lived next to Bill Briscoe, who was Jerry and Jack's brother. And um, Dusty at that time had a connection with the Briscoe body, uh, Briscoe Brothers Body Shop. He was a, a part owner when it first opened. And um, it's, I believe he sold out of that after not too long of a, you know, a time. He didn't stay with it for very long. What year but, was uh, that, Don? When we... That would hmm, that would be without looking at the back of a picture. <laughs> probably like seventy 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 three or four. Right one of them would be one of those. And um then then Dusty bought a, a place out in Lutz, Florida and it had some land there and he had horses and, and red Angus cow I call them cows, but I guess they're not cows. And then a bunch of dogs. We had like thirteen dogs, but uh, he uh, he had a ho- his horse there, Star. And then Rocky Johnson, um, he he used to board his horse by us. And then eventually he Dusty bought it for me because it was such an easy riding horse for me. And uh, I learned how to rope and ride and barrel race on that. And, wow! And Dusty rode bulls in the rodeo. And I, I even can say I rode a bull. He wasn't a full-grown one, but I rode him. I hung onto his ears like handles until he got <laughs> to the edge of the fence, and then I jumped off. <laughs> but we used to have, like, Ray Stevens used to bring his horses over there when he was down there with uh, Carol. And uh, Rocky Johnson used to come out, Billy Robinson. And then they, they'd all ride the, ride the horses. And Billy Robinson, <laughs> he was kind of funny to watch on the horse, too, because Dusty's horse was a rodeo-trained horse. And it was trained to run to the end of the fence and stop on a dime and turn. And Billy <laughs> never believed that that horse was going to stop. And every time that horse got close to the end of the fence, he'd jump off. And uh, it was just, <laughs> a, you know, just fun watching everybody doing all that stuff. And uh, I would always be be by the horses and, and uh, we'd be roping with the guys and all the, the wives and girls would be sitting over over in the yard, you know, not hanging out with us, but I was always hanging out with the guys. And that. But right. uh, Dusty, too, he, he taught me how to ride a motorcycle. And uh, him and Dickie Murdoch, when we were living in Minneapolis, they had matching lime green Kawasaki 700. So that, would, that was the bike I learned on was that one. And uh, then when we went to, to move down south, they sold them for, like, nothing just to get rid of them. So the guy who bought them, I mean, he made out like a bandit on those. They just ha- like to have their toys. Mm-hmm. But that was that was the thing, too, with them guys, because um, the first, the, I, I met them at the, when we were doing promos down, down uh, 
in in uh, Minneapolis for the TV promos. And then uh, he he lived in an apartment with Dickie Murdoch, and they had they each had a bed, but their furniture was all hay bales in the living room of this, and it was like a big apartment complex with like a hundred apartments. And then the rodeo the rodeo clown um, had a donkey. And I remember we were all at the, we were having a party at the house and or at the apartment, and all of a sudden the door opens and here comes this this rodeo donkey, and with his, his name was Pat Cross, and uh, all, we look out in the hall and all the tenants are sticking their head out looking out, you know, oh my God, look, we got a donkey in the hall, and then of course they got kicked out, they got kicked out of there, and then they they had this house, they rented a house, and then uh, Vic Rossitani lived there. Dickie Murdoch and Dusty, and then uh, when Ric Flair was, he was off and on with his wife, his first wife, and a lot of times he would stay there too. A lot of people stayed at that house. And uh became a party house, let's put it that way. And, uh, but yeah, they were all there, but it was quite quite the time there in Minneapolis. What did you do after you retired from the wrestling business? Well, I... I I quit because Dusty didn't want me to wrestle anymore, so I, I quit. So I was with him for you know a while after that, a couple years after that, and then uh, I came back home in to Milwaukee at that time, and uh, I was done. And then I came after we were you know done as a couple, um, and that's why I say I came home here and and I I. I didn't work or anything when I first came home, and uh, I'm like, I I can't stay here. I I don't know what to do. You know, I mean, I just don't fit in. And uh, I remember going one time, I or more than once, I, I flew to Atlanta a couple times, and we had tried to work it out again, and uh, this wasn't going to happen. It wasn't gonna, wasn't meant to be. And I came home and I thought, well, now I guess I got to get a real job. And so I, I got hired at uh, Briggs and Stratton. I worked and uh, assembled and did things on small engines for 11 years. I met my my husband, my ex-husband there, and uh, got married. I had three kids: my son and uh, two two girls. And pretty much, then I got divorced. Then I quit Briggs and Stratton, and I, I worked for the Target Distribution Center as a forklift driver, uh, warehouse worker there. And now I'm retired from there. So you have to go where the money is for a girl. Sure. <laughs> you know, and that's that's the job options for, yeah, it would have been nice to have a nice job where you, you didn't have to come home smelling like uh, motor oil and, uh, you know, I mean dirty jobs, but it's just where you had to go. But now I'm able to go, you know, like I say, I'm able to connect again and get involved in some of the wrestling things around the country and see people that are still around and have some fun for a change. Absolutely. Instead of that nine to five. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Well, that's the thing, too, when you're on the road, the hours that, you know, that you, you live, it's like you sleep pretty much during the day and you work at night and that alone was hard to get used to and then when I got 
hired at Briggs and Stratton. They hired me on second shift, and I'm like, wow, this is pretty good. It's kind of like <laughs> the, the shift I'm used to. <laughs> that wasn't so bad. But yeah, it was it, it was hard for me because I like I say I, I just never brought it up. There were very few people that knew me that knew I wrestled because I I just didn't want to get into the topic because I know where it was going to go. You know, oh sure mm-hmm. I I don't believe it or you know and I'm I get sick. I said I'm not going to pull out magazines or pictures just to prove what I did. I know what I did and right. I shouldn't have to prove it to people. No, no. But that's all. what's nice talking to people who who they know who I am. <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah, I remember you. Or it surprises me that that you know the people that do remember me when I went to Cauliflower Alley, I was floored a little bit because I was like, oh, can I take my picture with you? Can I do this? And I'm like, wow, I guess you know fans are fans. They they never mm-hmm. forget you. Just kind of nice. A lot of those people at Cauliflower Alley know more about us than we know about us. I mean, there's some real <laughs> well, historians that just absolutely, uh, well, you're talking to one, Michael Norris. He, 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 Michael, through his rehab, lived with me for a year, and he just, he lives and breathes and eats wrestling. He, you know, he spends hours looking at pictures and looking for pictures, and, and uh, I was just, I would be amazed at the time he put into this, but it's his passion, and uh I'm glad there's folks out there sure. like that because uh, when our generation is gone, we're gone, and hopefully uh, somebody will remember us down the road. Right, and and that's why I like I say I like to go to these these uh, wrestling around here and the, and the ones in Minneapolis, the Steel Domain and the Bruce City because they they're hungry to know it, and and not just to hear it, but I mean they really want to know it and. That to be able to tell them something that they're never going to read in a book, they like to hear the stories too. You know what I mean? Yep. They think that's fun to hear. Oh yeah, you went here and you did this and you did that, and you know some of those stories. <laughs> they only people in the business you can tell it to because you just can't. The, Nobody else would believe it. <laughs> wouldn't believe it, but it's like you just can't. You just can't tell them. You know what I mean? It's like they they to look at you with a tilted head, like huh. You know, it's like uh, I don't know. It's like a whole different world. It's like being being in the in the wrestling business. And uh, Vivian used to always say that to me too. She says, "Do you know how lucky we are to be in this business?" But we really were. We really were. And and I got in it kind of on a fluke. The right people in the right places at the right time. And um, when I worked for Vern, when when he started booking me. Um, I couldn't have got into a, a better territory, you know. I mean, and, and Wally Carbo, or or Daddy Daddy Wally, because he was so nice to us, and he would stick up for us and 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 fight for us in the office. You know, I hurt my shoulder one time. I separated my shoulder. I landed wrong. I didn't put my arm out, and I landed right on the corner of my shoulder. And um, the hand worked, but I couldn't raise my arm. So I remember walking in the office and in Vern's office and Wally had a desk on the side in there and and he oh my god, I don't know if it was a bad day or what, but he's yelling at yelling and yelling, What am I gonna do now? You know, he's he's trying to get a hold of somebody else to take my spot and uh didn't mince any words about telling me how how awful it was that I hurt myself. And I remember Wally sticking up for, for me and 
putting his arm around me and walking me out into the, there was a, an adjoining office, and he goes, just go to the doctor and see what the doctor says and then call me. He says, if he says you can go back on tour, you let me know. And I guess it just took a couple of days, really, for that shoulder to get into enough where it would, would work right again. But if it wasn't for Wally, um, I don't know. I think a, a lot of people wouldn't have it so easy there. He, he stuck up for us. Especially and, you know, if you, if you had tried to work hurt like that just to make a paycheck, you could have ended your career right there. So that he was really was looking out for you. Oh, sure. And that's like Kay with her foot. You know what I mean? He knew. He knew she broke her foot. But we, we dare tell tell Vern that because, um, <laughs> you know, he, he just as soon find somebody else and send us home. And, I mean, we, we were... That's we made our living that way, and and it's not like you got a check every week. You maybe went into a territory for a, a couple weeks, depending on how many states they worked and the angles they were working. So your check depended on you know how you could work, and if you couldn't, then what? You know what I mean? You, then what do you do? So yeah, Wally, Wally, I have a lot of respect for him. I, I, you know, Daddy Wally. <laughs> he took care of us, and I'm sure there's a Daddy Wally in in pretty many different territories. But we we were lucky to have him up here. Yeah, well, that's that's the reason a lot of us uh, are, are walk the way we walk now is because back in those days you couldn't take time off to to really heal up because if you no. did you you lost your spot, and so you know that's why there's so many of us with bad knees and bad hips. Oh. And, Bad backs, and, that, and with the men, it was. I mean, I could see where that would would be worse because there were there were so many more men. With the women, I mean, I guess I was lucky because there there weren't that many women. They had to think twice about totally mm-hmm. kicking us out of a territory. You know, that if you look at it that way. But but uh, yeah, we 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 needed the money just like everybody else and and see none of us did the high spots that they do today i don't know how i mean you know i i don't i'm like you i can't watch the current what they call wrestling nowadays but i, I but you have to give it to the guys that that are are doing the things that they're doing it doesn't make sense most of the time of what they're doing but right. you know some of the spots that i see you know, I've seen these guys do. I wouldn't even think about doing back then. You know, I can just see me, you know, Ole Anderson coming up to to me and saying, "I need you to jump off the top of this cage and land on a bunch of thumbtacks." I'm yeah. like, "Well, you okay? Well, I'll see you, Ole." <laughs> well, yeah, but a lot of guys did it. I mean, yeah. and you know, I mean that they're paying for it now, and and the cutting. I mean. Like Dusty had a, on his chest, his arm, his head, even his ear one time cut. He, and and it uh, healed like proud flesh. So everywhere, he looked like he had little worms all over him where he got cut. And his <laughs> right. forehead was such a mess. He used to stick oh, his yes. own head. You know, because he couldn't feel it anymore. It was numb. And so the doctor would give him, it was a needle with already threaded and like, it looked like wax paper and it was sterile. And then he'd just take it out when it was a bad one and he'd stitch up his own head. And uh, a lot of them did that because blood was money back then. Yes, it was. It was. Well, I mean, how many, how many, how many professions do you know that will stand there and let another guy throw fire in your face? (laughs) I mean, well, 
I'm guilty, yeah, <laughs> you know, but I just. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's a scary one. No eyebrows for how long? <laughs> no eyelashes, no eyebrows. Yeah, I don't know. They, they did some, some bizarre thing in, in, you know, and sharing sharing the blade. You know, I mean, I I can't even imagine that. They cut themselves and then cut the other guy with the same, with the same blade. And, yes, um, can you imagine that today with the, you know, uh, the, the different types of diseases that are around, just to think about what went on during that time? Well, Is there anybody here other than I, I me mean, that ever toted a blade in their mouth for 30 minutes for another guy? Uh, <laughs> if, a guy if a guy didn't want it taped on his hand, I would tote it in my mouth, refereeing, until he got ready uh, for it, and I'd spit it out in my hand and pass it to him. I wouldn't wow. do that today. Back then, I didn't have good sense. Well, you thought you were, you know, invulnerable, Bobby. Nothing was going to well, hurt you. We all thought we were supermen back then. I mean, you know, I sit here and think now it took one one miscue, get hit in the throat, swallow that thing. But I just, I would pour Listerine on it and put it between my cheek and my gum, and off I'd go. And you know, just mm. just crazy stuff. It is it is crazy. I agree. But you know, you look at when they share the blade and, and like with Superstar, I mean, he wouldn't have all the the problems he has now if they they didn't share that blade. So I mean, back in the day how many times they you know, wherever they hit it they always you could always tell if when you're in the business which finger the guy had it on because they held that finger up like it had wet nail polish on it compared uh-huh. to the rest of them. Yeah, Rick Flair and that was, was bad about that. That was where the yeah, Dusty too. He always it was always on his his ring finger, and he'd always put that finger up in the air, and and it was just a corner of the tip of a razor blade, and he cut the crap out of his head and his arm, whatever <laughs> they wanted. You know, and, and well, when Mike, you're in the ring, you don't even think about it. Sure. No, Mike, we're down to about two minutes. Have you got anything you want to wrap up with Don here before we have to get out? No, other than to uh, say what a what a pleasure it's been having her on with us. And uh, anytime you want to uh, want to join us again, you know how to get in touch with me. Let me know. And uh, this has been fantastic. It's been great yes. having you on with us. I, I hope uh, it's been good for you to 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 be able to uh, talk to people that know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It was it was it was very very good time here. I appreciate you guys even even wanting to talk to me. I just wish sometimes, you know, at my age, that I could recall a name as quickly as I want to. It just doesn't happen. Oh, just trust me, we're all that way. Happens to me every day. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys helped me out with that, though. I'll tell you that. That's the nice part. That's the nice part that you know exactly what I was going to say. You knew, the, you knew the person I was talking about. That could have been a different scene, you know, somewhere else, and people people just don't know who you're talking about. But you guys have been great. I, I sure appreciate you having well, me you. on. Thank, thank you very much. And and uh, just just so you, we all know, the Braves have won now six in a row. <laughs> We're getting a yeah, start on you know, next year. <laughs> and the Braves, the Braves were, you know, they they were from Wisconsin too. So I kind of kind of still like those Braves. Oh yeah. Well, good night, everybody. Again, Dawn, thank you yep. so much for joining us. And uh, thank, thank you. Radio thank you, guys. Good night, guys. Get together again right, next bye-bye. week. Bye.
Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.